for anyone that is struggling in their life and feeling like a failure, there is hope. If you're willing to allow God into your life, there's always hope. You're not alone. You may think no one's walked, just because they haven't walked in your shoes, they don't know what you're going through. That's not true. There are many people with the same struggles, many people with different struggles, but it's all the same path of allowing God into your life and walking those steps out with Christ right beside you. And when you do that, especially me, I know things are going to be all right. God has this. He's He can handle this. But I have to allow him to work through me. Welcome to Effective Heart Change, where we are passionate about becoming life givers in our circle of influence. Today we have with us Adam Mason. Adam, you were with us several years ago, and you're coming back as an employee working on the business side, and we're excited to welcome you back. And partially because of the time away, I feel like that gives you a completely different perspective. So I actually wanted to start there and just say, showing up here, what's just kind of hit you in the face this week as you have shown up here and you're being introduced into so many different things? Well, thanks for having me. Um, I'd say one of the biggest things is how, uh, how big the classes are, how many classes you have. And just everyone that shows up, I mean, you have so many people in the program, and most of them are showing up to the classes, and they engage in the classes. They're actually taking action and being a part of all the classes and speaking their mind, speaking up, asking questions. Yeah, just how everyone is engaging and being a part of the classes. That was huge to me. I... I just I did I figured people would be kind of shy getting new and pe new people in the program, but they're speaking up and asking the hard questions and thinking on those questions and trying to find their way. And I love that that atmosphere. We call it the one another lifestyle and coming together, recognizing that we share outcomes, getting people to engage with one another, hopefully in an atmosphere of trust. To me, that's huge. In fact, what I can bring is this much. I mean, it's a smaller portion. But when we begin to get that kind of attitude, when we get that kind of ethos moving in the group, it's, it's just incredibly powerful to see people's lives change because of that. I don't know. The most impressive part is seeing people live the one another, one another lifestyle. Um, and how that is changing their lives. I know I've only been here a short time, but in that week, I've seen people grow. I've seen people struggle. I've seen others come and pray over them and others be prayed over. And they're helping each other get through their struggles. And it doesn't all rely on you. It doesn't all rely on Levi. It doesn't rely on just one person. It is everyone coming together as a community, the body of Christ, and working as one. And that is just amazing to see. It's amazing to be a part of. 
and I look forward to doing and helping more with that. That is an amazing piece for me because I'm watching that expand. I'm watching it multiply, and, and I get to be a witness to that. And I can remember several years ago hitting a point of really struggling at a program level and looking at the leaders and saying, I've taken this as far as I can go. If we don't get buy-in, if you don't jump in, if you don't become part of the ministry team, it, it just can't go any farther. And there was buy-in at that point, and, and there's far more buy-in now, and, and, and you're seeing some of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is, it's, it's amazing people stepping up when they didn't think they could step up, but God is flowing through everyone here and giving them the courage to step up when they need to or step back. And their help, I mean, the things that are going on right now are just incredible. I also want to just highlight for a moment, you know, you stepped into the building and Ashley started pouring into you. Here, here's what your job is going to be. Here's all the information you need to know. Day number one, you had a glazed look in your eyes. It was like, wow. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't think you even fully anticipated everything that's going on here. How are you hanging with it a few days in? Ooh, yeah, that was a, it was a lot of information all at once, and it was overwhelming for sure. And it's, it's, getting, it's getting better, but those, the first couple days were... A shock and awe experience, not realizing how much Ashley actually does and how much I'm going to have to step into that role, but it's going to be a fun experience and we'll, we'll get there, um, but just to be a part of it. One of the things that I also say just at a ministry level, and we'll get to a personal level in, in, in a moment, but at a ministry level, Ashley's been a significant part of recreating the wheel or inventing the wheel or whatever language you want to talk about. So we've got form after form, and we've got spreadsheets, and we've got procedures, and we've got rules, and all, all of that. And she was very instrumental in doing that. And, and so it's, it's just layer upon layer upon layer, which, which you have seen and you're responding to. And the good news for you starting out, you don't have to do a lot of the inventing of this thing. You, you just have to learn it and execute it. Exactly. I mean, Ashley's done a tremendous job getting, she started from scratch and had to create the templates, had to create everything and go through all that hassle. And I, fortunate enough, I just have to learn what she has already put together. And not only that, she had to put up with me in the process. <laughs> So that was, that was double time, because <laughs> one of the things about me that I'm, I'm continually inventing, I'm continually going new places, we've been building the program, we've been building the concepts, we've been building the procedures, and, and working at it step by step, and so it's, it's really been quite the adventure putting all of this together. It's going to be a process to learn everything, um, but it's going to be interesting, and I look forward to it. And I've told you, and I expected this no matter who came in, it literally will be a period of months just because we've developed those kind of dynamics and, and that kind of complexity. And one of the pieces is that, that we, we do deal with some difficult people, difficult situations. We've learned how to, to do the diagnostics and, and meet people at a specific place. And so all of that's taken a lot of effort and, 
and, and there is a higher level of complexity in what we do. Let's go ahead and shift back over to you. Talk about when you came in and you were actually a part of the program. Walk us through the kinds of things that made a difference in your life. Okay, so I came into the program 2016, beginning of it. Um, I was the type of guy that would go 30 days before I'd have a drink and then be good for 30 days and have another and, and just kept that cycle. Finally, coming to the program, I didn't really have, I mean, I believed in God, but I didn't have a strong faith. But having joined the program, learning what it had done for so many people ahead of me and watching people grow, why not just give it a shot? I was willing. And that's all, that was the main thing you asked me, are you willing? And I was like, well, I've tried everything else. Nothing's worked. So I, why not? I'm going to give this a shot. And first time, well, first time I was in the program, I made it about 30 days. I, I jumped right in. I got this. I'm going to go get a job. I'm going to go do this. When, and I failed miserably. It happens. And it was tough. So I had to, I left for a little bit and came right back, knowing this was the place to be. And there was a date on April 29th, 2016, where we were just sitting in a car talking, and then somehow you picked up on something, and we prayed over it, and it was like that weight was just lifted. My cravings immediately stopped. I wasn't constantly, every two seconds, thinking how am I going to get my next drink. It was just, it was gone. And my life has been awesome ever since. I've my faith is, I mean, that just, right then and there, my faith just jumped. I mean, I was on board. I was ready to go. And we just, yeah, ever since then, I, I haven't struggled with the hardcore cravings. Do I have them occasionally? Sure. Who doesn't? But the whole thing was that, that constant nagging at me was gone. God had released me of that, and it was... It's interesting as you're talking, I use the term deliverance. Many times there, there are ministries that believe in the instantaneous, the immediate, and, and it's kind of neat that you're bringing up and talking about that, and then we'll get into the other side in a little bit. But many times there are particular points. Sometimes it's built around an unforgiveness. Sometimes it's built around what I'll call an unholy covenant. There's all kinds of different points, and one of the things that I talk about, all things work by spiritual authority, so we were talking about a particular thing and a house and you know, just different things that were spiritual pieces that I was able to identify some of that, get you prayed through it, and you noticed an immediate deliverance, an immediate, wow, I'm better, I'm not the same person. Now, what's interesting, and this comes back to my theology and what I believe, Deliverance is great, but there's still that choice. There's still that walking it out. So on the one hand, you had this supernatural change that really catapulted you in a way that you were like instantly better, but the problem didn't go away either. No, unfortunately it did not. I am my own worst enemy, and 
the cravings, that strong craving was gone. But that doesn't mean I still didn't go out and screw up and drink. Um, I got, I wasn't walking with Christ the way I should, should have been. And I would screw up. And once I would, when I, when I'm walking with God, everything seems to go well. <laughs> when I put him on the back burner and think I'm handling stuff, the depression hits. My anxiety hits. Everything just kind of compounds, and I know how to self-sabotage and get out of it, and that's to go and drink. And fortunately, now I can see those signs, and when that starts to happen, I ask for help, or I try to. And it, that's it, a good it, thing. It works. It actually works to ask for help. It's okay. No, I mean, telling myself it's okay because I'm such a pride guy. I, it's hard to do that. And when it turns out, when you accept the, humble yourself and accept the humility and just walk through it with Christ, you're okay. It works out. What's interesting, there is that, and I'm going to call it a stronghold side, and yes, I'm using spiritual terminology right now, but there's this stronghold side that if that area doesn't get prayed over, none of the rest of it probably works. But we prayed over that, you saw a quantum leap, then you've got this other side, all things work by spiritual authority, and you, re you mentioned the pride part, and, and that's definitely true. That's almost 100% of the people get into an I-can-do-it-by-myself zone, and when they get into that zone, they're not successful, they struggle. That's just pretty much universal. Yours in specific has this one little area. Everyone's greatest strength is also their greatest weakness, and so you have this incredible heart to please people. You have this incredible heart to bless people, and if you're if you're not pleasing, if you're not blessing, if you're, you're not bringing satisfaction to the people around you, then all of a sudden inner tur turmoil starts to kick up. Well, that's a terrible place to be because all of a sudden my ability to stay sober is based on the responses of the people around me. Right. And when I'm not performing at a high level, if I... If I'm not being as successful as I think I need to be, I'm a failure. And then I'm, I just bring that whole failure mentality, I can't do this, I'm a horrible person, I'm just down and out. That tends to bring on bad thoughts and lead me down a direction that is not good. When I can step back and realize, hey, I'm not a failure. I just, I'm not, I'm doing something in my own flesh that I can't do without God. I need to step back, let Jesus back into my life, and then he walks me through it, and it's usually successful. I'll reach those people, or they'll reach me, or whatever it be, but it all comes down to having God in my life and walking with him versus me thinking I can do it on my own, because I am my own worst enemy. That brings me to a different place. Some of the people that we have here, I mean, their parents used with them, or their parents abandoned them, or uh, you start down through the, the different life struggles. They haven't had a license for 10 years. They, 
you start through issue after issue and you look at that situation, you're like, wow, no wonder they struggled. You're a little bit different. You came from a background where you had what you needed. You, you weren't handicapped. You had a lot of those different things. But what you brought up in just the last few minutes as you were talking is this whole idea of expectations. It's interesting that we, in our own hearts, create expectations, and then that sets a kind of a reality bar where, in your world, because you're a pride guy and a performance guy, doesn't really matter where you came from. What mattered is this heavy sense of falling short. Exactly. I, I did have, I had everything I needed growing up. Yeah, my parents were divorced when I was third grade or so, but they were, they were always there for me. They provided for me lovingly. Um, so the whole thing of, I think, yeah, living up to what they accomplished in their lives, living up to what my siblings have accomplished, I felt like I had to do exactly what they did and follow in their footsteps or else I was a failure. And you know what? I fell short in that area. And for a long time, I punished myself thinking, why, why can't I do this? Why am I, why am I a failure at this? Why am, and that just led to more depression and more drinking and more just going down that rabbit hole of just bad thoughts, bad things. I mean, just doing the wrong stuff and leaving leaving God off to the side, just, I was failing. I mean, I just, I was. But then bringing God into my life, even when I fell short, because we all fall short, but knowing he was beside me, picked me up, made me realize I'm not a failure. I can do this. I can accomplish things in my life, and I can be successful, and I can... I'm allowed to be happy. And that was just that was just an awesome feeling that the program provided for me. What's interesting and I talk about this all the time. We live, we think, we feel, we experience life, I call it inside of a spiritual flow. So what you're describing, I simply term in the program over and over again, I call it self-hatred. You are in a zone of perfectionism. You are in a zone of being critical of yourself. And you had set up a reality construct of this is where I should be. This is what I should be doing. And then you measured yourself against that. And it's interesting that, again, some of our people, it's like, wow, they're beat up. And it's like, well, no wonder. It doesn't matter. When you get into that reality construct and you're into perfectionism and self-hatred, your experience of life is your experience of life. It's heavy. It's hopeless. And you just describe some of that, and it's every bit as real, and it's every bit as hard to overcome as if you were the person who was over there being kicked around in the, in the gutter and, and seemingly had no chance. Yeah, I just... I see where other people are and I see where I was and I I wondered why am I struggling as much as the next person who has had it a lot harder or been in more difficult situations than I'd ever been in but it, it my world felt so dark 
and so lonely. I was like, I just couldn't wrap my head around why I was feeling that way when I had it so good. I had everything provided for me. Especially dealing with programs. You're being compared to, you're being put in with people who have all of this other stuff going on. So then all of that stuff starts circling in your brain. Well, if a big driver in your brain is perfectionism, being in a program, being exposed to other people, seeing yourself not able to respond, all that does is just increase the pain, increase the confusion, increase the self-condemnation, and you are trapped in that kind of a cycle. I was. It was a constant cycle of just disarray and misery. Now, what's interesting, not to be mean, but that's what I do, uh, we tend to have the same issues all the way through our life. So that's not a past thing. That's a current thing because you're a performance sort of a guy who goes into perfectionism, which means that Guess what? Currently, you're struggling. I gave you a hard time because you walked in here and your eyes were kind of bouncing back and forth and you weren't quite sure what to do. That same perfectionism, that same, I've got to get this right and do that right, is, is still at work in you. And so it's something you still continue have to have to be aware of and to be applying the solutions to those things. Oh, exactly. I mean, I'm always going to struggle with wanting to be perfect. and be critical of myself, and I'll always be my own worst enemy, I know that. But it's going, it's accepting the fact that I am going to fall short, and it will take time to get the business side of the program down. It will take time. I, I can and will be successful at it, with God's help. And that also, besides the business side, work aspect, it applies to my home life too. I want to be the perfect stepdad. I want to be the perfect husband. I want to be this, but I got to be perfect at it. I don't have to be. It's not meant to be. No one's perfect. So I need to, when I get caught up in being perfect, I do start to slip back into that depression and start falling way short of the glory of God. Then I, once I take that step back and I've, I've learned to take, Take a breather and just let God work, wait a little bit, wait for his answers, and then move forward according to his plan or what visions he's laid forward. You haven't been around the last few years, but I've, I've really borrowed from a Bob Newhart skit, and here it is. Here's my sage advice. Stop it! <laughs> when you're in a hole... And you find yourself deep in that hole, do yourself a favor, stop digging. And one of the things, and you, I'm sure you remember this from the days gone by, one of the key questions that I ask, where is your spirit right now? And frankly, perfectionism, self-hatred, taking those expectations and looking down on myself, that's a spiritual location. And Call it condemnation, call it perfectionism, call it whatever you want. But if you go to condemnation, Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. At some point, I step back and I realize that spiritual flow doesn't allow God to come into my life and give me strength. So the whole time I'm stepping into that place of condemnation, 
I'm less able to do the very job that I want to do that I'm trying to do in a perfectionistic way. And as you described, one of the best things you can do is just get to that point of going, oh, I can't do this in my own strength. Take a deep breath, get the peace of God back on board, take a smile, ask this question, has God called me to do this? If God's called me, he'll be here to equip me, to walk me through it. I mean, these are the kinds of things that I talk through with the perfectionists that are, are around. I would say yeah, the biggest thing when I find myself struggling is to take that breath, go meditate, go on a walk, do something to center myself and allow God to start showing me the way, the right way, and to wait on his word. I mean, I'm, I'm one to just... Oh yeah, he answered me right away. He doesn't, he doesn't, that's me wanting to do what I want to do. When I sit and wait, then I get a clearer thought, clearer vision of what needs to be done. If it helps you feel any better, this hasn't been a great week for me. I, I came out of a retreat. Normally when I come out of teaching a retreat, I take some downtime. I had some, quote, crises that were waiting on me when I got back, and I just went one thing into the next and, and have stayed in that busyness zone, and I didn't do what you're talking about. And I'm prone to some of the same kinds of perfectionism and those, the, the very kinds of things that you've, you've talked about. Didn't take that breath, got overly tired, and it's hard to come back from that place of being overly tired. This is not a, an alcoholic thing. This is not a bad people thing. This is a people thing, and many different people struggle in this exact same area. And I've learned, yeah, the, the healthy ways to deal with that, They're, or the, the wrong ways to deal with it. You just find yourself in that struggle point. Do I revert back to drinking? which I know the result, and I know what, how that's going to end, but that's my scapegoat. Or do I, the things I've learned through the program and through being out of the program and learning how to deal with stuff, do I take those healthy ways and apply them daily or minute by minute sometimes? And I just have to accept the fact that I will fall short. It's interesting. I'm going to take it back. There was a deliverance point where things radically changed, but even so, then you move beyond that where there's still a susceptibility just in the day-to-day -day stuff. If I'm not paying attention to the day-to-day -day stuff, some of that attack of the enemy or whatever, the, the desire to drink, can still come back, and so I've got to walk this thing out one day at a time. You, you really, you're... Your testimony really highlights that both of those things are needed. Yes. I mean, it is, it is a constant day-to-day -day thing. And like I said before, it, sometimes it's a minute-by-minute -minute thing. I have to pray and rebuke the devil and the devilish thoughts and actions that he's taking towards me, and I have to rebuke those in the name of Jesus. And when I say that short little prayer... Sometimes it's 10 times a day, sometimes it's once a day, whatever it be. When I say that, I do feel the releasing of it and how God is right there helping me through that moment. And it's, 
it's because of the program and the people in it who have helped and nurtured and done all those things to help me walk through it with Christ. So many times people have this attitude of, well, if he just hits bottom, if he just gets slapped hard enough, that really would not have worked with you. Because when you're already perfectionism, you're already down on yourself, you already have all of these great expectations that you're not meeting up to, every failure actually makes it more likely for you to stay in that negative hole. Right. Every failure it was just compounding, 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 and it would just bring me down even more. I would just be... didn't matter what anyone else said. I was my worst critic. I was the hardest on myself. Everyone would tell me, you know, keep your head up, do this. But when I was in that, in that mindset, it was so hard to hear because our heart filters our hearing. And I just would be in such a negative place, I could not hear what people were telling me to do and what I needed to do. And when I finally listened, you know what? Things kind of got better. Well, that whole negativity cycle for you is just absolute death. What I described for me, I'm a load bearer. So when I start taking on those loads, all of a sudden, it's like I begin to feel it on my shoulders, and, and I'm no longer being strengthened by God, and it, I, I start trying to plow through in my own strength. That's, that's just a terrible place to live. It, it's heavy. If I had alcoholic tendencies, I'd be going there. But Instead, I've got the workaholic tendencies, so then I've got, to, I've got to back that thing up. I've got to get to a place where I'm alive in Christ, and I'm really being led by God. I'm being empowered by God. That's when life is fun, and it, it just completely turns around. I want to try to model that. I, obviously, I create as little distance as I can between myself and an addict or an alcoholic because I believe that the process is the same for all of us. I would agree with that. Um, it's, it's different for everyone, but it's the same for everyone. It's, it's, it's difficult. You, do have to, you have to step back and look at the situation and allow God to work in your life. And like you said, you don't have to be an alcoholic. You don't have to be an addict. You don't have to be a workaholic. But in people's life in general, when they're struggling, or especially when I'm struggling, it does help to look at all the good things God has provided. What is he, how is he moving in my life today? And where am I right now with Christ? Am I in a good spot? Am I not? If I'm not, I have to, you know what? I'm going to take the 10 minutes and recenter myself. And sometimes you got to reset the day, even if it's at five o'clock at night in the evening, you got to reset the day, start over and let Christ work in your life that day from that point forward. The question that I go back to, where is my spirit right now? If it's not in a good place, your language, recenter, step back, pray, take the steps that you need to take. That's just a powerful transformation point. Let me just throw it to you. What else would you like to tell somebody who is out there listening? I mean, I, got, I had a lot of opportunities in my life thanks to my upbringing and everything that went with it. And I just, I let the depression, and I let, I did not have Christ in my life when I needed him most, and it was, 
I made it a struggle. Where do you fall in sibling order? Baby. Okay. Third. So you were third, and the older siblings outperformed, and they took off. Always, always in their shadow. Are you going to be as good as your brother at sports? Are you going to be as smart as your brother and sister in school? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? And sure, getting into high school, yeah, I, I think I, you know, oh, I had your brother and sister in my, as, are you going to be as good as they were? Or this, this, and this. And so I was always fighting that. Back, all, I mean, ever since school, from elementary school up, because they were always ahead of me, because I'm five, six years younger than my brother. And, and then coming to the sports aspect, I mean, I, I had to work my tail off to be as good as he was, and, and my sister, too. And it was just, it was always living in their shadow and trying to beat those expectations. I've seen you play softball. You're a little bit on the competitive side. A little bit. We kind of grow up, our whole household's competitive, but it's, I think I took it to an unhealthy level at times. Uh, you think? <laughs> that's all right. I mean, that, that really, that's just part of who you are. That's part of your personality, which then it translates to, okay, this is where I struggle, why I struggle. And for the performer perfectionist, it's just, harder to comprehend that I would struggle because I had these benefits or I had these ta talents. So then it's, it's, it's just harder. In some respects, it's almost harder to deal with your addiction issues than, than the person who didn't have those things. Sometimes, yeah, I just wonder, wonder why sometimes i mean i don't why what i don't know but there's just that why why question why why did i struggle with this why did i am i the only one in the family with this gene why am i the only one or this spiritual stronghold hold whatever but then i realize yeah i may be the alcoholic but you know my siblings, they, everyone, I mean, not just my siblings, but everyone, they have their own struggles that are just as big as what I'm think, I'm making my problems out to be. And so everyone has to find that, that walk with Christ to help them. It took me a lot longer than it should have, but I think we're, we're on the right path. And as long as I do it on a, on a daily basis, it tends to be all right. That why question is a big one that derails and I try to take people back to, you know, you, you can't look back, you can't do the whys, you can't do the explain, you can't even do, well, I, I did this, so God's going to use me in this way, but God is a redeemer. So what's neat is, whether it was the will of God or not, doesn't matter at some point. I can settle into where I am now get connected with God, start living where he wants me to live, and he's got a redeemed pathway for me. And, and that's full of hope, and that's full of life. Yes, it is. The hope part of it is awesome. Having hope again, having excitement back in my life, getting back on fire for Christ and keeping him in the forefront, it's, it's just exciting. And I'm glad to, I'm thankful that I get to be a part of the program again and 
It's just a, it's gonna be a, it's a good time. I just, one big thing obviously I'm struggling with is the fact that I'm not with my family during the week. And that's tough. That's tough on them. I mean, the kids get a little more freedom, they feel like, but the, and the whole reason is I want to be the best influence I can for them. And I think I was struggling because I wasn't being the best influence I could. I wasn't, once again, I wasn't measuring up to what I thought was the best influence I should be. And I think by stepping back, coming here, when I go back home, it all, I have this different mindset and God will be at the forefront of it and he will be walking me through it. And I, I can be the best influence I can, but I still fall short, but I am doing, doing it with Christ. So I will have that. I'll be a better influence to my kids. So deep breath, deep breath, deep breath. If it's God, he'll work it out step by step, and, and that's the lifestyle that we believe in. Adam, it's been fun sitting down and talking with you. I'm hoping that as we've talked through this, that it's providing some insights to people, because everyone comes at addiction from a different point of view, and, and yours is very much from that performance, perfectionism, expectations point of view. and. So I'm hoping that this ends up really speaking to some different people who are able to grab a hold of that and say, okay, that's, that's why I struggle. Well, again, we thank you for joining us. We've been doing a series of testimonies. I think those testimonies give us hope and a chance to move forward, and we look forward to seeing you next time on Effective Heart Change.